Hello there, friends. You're listening to Hot-Blooded, the podcast about love, rock and roll, and whatever else comes up along the way. I'm your host, Kat Jones, and I'm coming at you live from my bedroom in Brooklyn, New York, where it's currently pouring rain, sunny, and also 91 degrees outside all at once. So that's cool. Um, The world continues to be weird as hell as we creep into month five of lockdown. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I've been back in New York for a couple of weeks since spending two months quarantining on the West Coast. And it's been great to see that the vibe has changed drastically here since springtime. Um, I think the change in weather and the opening of outdoor dining and the severe drop in COVID cases combined has sort of made people feel at least a little bit better about the world, despite everything else that's going on. So baby steps, just keep wearing your masks and we will be back on track. But anyway, today's guest is Evan Patterson of the Louisville, Kentucky bands, Jay Jail and Young Widows. And if you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, you know that he's also married to a former guest on the show, the amazing and wonderful and delightful and talented Emma Ruth Rundle. This episode is a really special one because it's the first time on this podcast that we've ever gotten the other side of the story that we've heard previously about someone's tale of falling in love. Um, We had Matt Pike and Alyssa Mosseri Pike sitting together in the same room telling me their story, but we've never had two separate isolated episodes. And I'm thrilled that this is the first one because not only do I adore both people, but they're also just two of my favorite musicians. So if you're not familiar with Evan's work, he started out as the singer and guitarist of Young Widows, who were active between 2006 and 2014, I think. Um, They had two main sides to them. They sort of vacillated between this super cacophonous post-hardcore noise rock sound and a calmer, more Southern Gothic rock side of things. And Jay Jail is his solo project that in many ways picked up where Young Widows left off, but leans really hard into the Americana side of things and took things even further into this very stark, intense, dark, and sultry sound, but still with the use of guitars and a full band. But this new record that's coming out next week, which is called Prison, has no guitars on it whatsoever. And Evan actually wrote the entire thing on his iPhone in the back of the van when he was on tour over the past year. So it's a really special record. And uh, it was also produced by Ben Chisholm, who is Chelsea Wolfe's main collaborator. And the final product sounds like Nick Cave narrating the score for a vampire film or something. And that's perfect because the album cover is laid out in a way that the word prison appears as vampire teeth over Evan's face. So it's the whole experience is like very evocative of this dark world and it's very cool. And um, yeah, it's just a really great record. Be sure to check it out when it comes out next week. And if you've been listening to or reading my work for a long time, you know that I love when bands take a darker, more vampiric turn in their sound. 
Um, I've been a huge fan of quote unquote goth music since I was a kid and I have a giant cathedral tattooed on my arm. So it isn't a stretch to see why I love this new JJL record. But one of the reasons that I identify with sort of like the gothier side of things is that as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I honestly believe that goths or people who just like see the darkness in the world understand love and romance better than anyone. Because at the end of the day, like what's more daunting and all-consuming than love? And what's more beautifully dark than wanting someone to be yours for the rest of your life? So when someone's music turns dark, that's generally when I want to hear them talk about love most. So if you haven't listened to the Emma episode, you should do yourself a favor and pause this one right here and go listen to it because this is in many ways the sequel to that one. But if not, I hope you listen to it next. But more than anything, make sure you treat yourself to a journey into both of their discographies because they're incredible musicians who do very different things, but in the same vein. And I know that you'll love it just as much as I do. I mean, one thing that's been so weird during this time is like to be a creator and to be putting out things into the world. Like, have you been struggling at all with like, how do I promote songs? Right now? Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you know, the funny thing is we released one single. Well, I mean, since the pandemic started, it's, I've barely made any music and I started drawing again, which is something I kind of left behind when I was in my early teens. And that's been exciting for me because I'm getting like a high from it the same way I, I am from creating music. But the other side of it is it's when I go to play the guitar, it's, it's, I'm not having the same feeling that I do when I can go rehearse with a full group and I can work on music and, you know, so so fortunately, I did have this record that I made on my phone while on tour, and it was kind of made in a way that, as if you could be in quarantine, you could make a record just like this. And I kind of, I mean, being on tour is almost like being in quarantine. You're in the van so much, <laughs> you're, tra you're traveling so much, right? You know, so that's like that's kind of what the name of the record was like prison because it was like a synthetic prison to me that of just being stuck in the van traveling for three months straight and you know venues start to feel the same cities start to feel the same you don't know where you are you don't know who you are you don't know how you feel you're just a machine at that point that's really so interesting this, yeah i mean i'm i wanted to take a break this year because of all, i mean i played i think 210 shows last year so I, want, I wanted to take a break because I was feeling the burnout. You know, I was feeling like I need to make more art. I need to like put my feet on the ground, you know? So, you know, I've been home and I've honestly been enjoying it with the exception of my cousin dying from heroin overdose and, you know, 
the other aspects of the the pandemic and and now with the you know the protesting is is also just makes the the tension of everything so intense and the first single i released for the record was gun time which is you know everyone kind of feels sensitive about that but i i, I keep on thinking like this is a perfect song for now it's kind of about police being you know morons and gun control and being threatened you know with violence you know it's right. it's like a it's a perfect song for the times so the story behind that song is you you were in paris and then you looked out the window of a car and somebody was pointing a machine gun at you is that right yeah uh, yeah i was talking i mean i was sitting up front and our driver was driving and we we're just talking you know stuck in traffic just you know not moving really and this car is inching up on us and I'm talking to him, looking at him, and I see this machine gun coming out of the window. And, you know, they slow down and kind of veer in front of us a little and are just pointing this machine gun at us. And the guy's his face covered. You know, so I, I'm like ducked down and I'm telling him, I'm just like, stop, just stop the van and right. duck down or something. <laughs> and, you know, and we're just confused about it and. He was French, so our driver was French, so he was like, uh, let's pull off and take a break for a second. You know, like the guy drove away. I mean, it was probably a 30-second to one-minute-long interaction, but... Probably know. felt like a lot longer yeah, than that. <laughs> yeah, it felt like, okay, this is when I die. This is, this is what's going to happen, you know? Right. And... You know, we pulled off and he's like, I, I'm just going to call the cops and just see what they say. And he's just like, they didn't care. They're like, yeah, this happens all the time. They're just some kids having having a fun time, you know. So we were, all just, <laughs> we were just laughing about that. Like, okay, that's I guess that's a way to look at it. You know, <laughs> like you're not wrong, but also what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like, isn't there a way to investigate even someone on the highway? Like there are probably cameras or there are probably other people that saw that. I, yeah. I don't know. Right. Or like a, like a license plate or something. Yeah. Something, <laughs> something to do is just like, Oh yeah, we don't care. It's like that happens all the time. So I mean, Jeez. it's yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, all in all, it was fine. It did freak me out for, there's a few days where I was like, just kind of jarred from that experience because I just started a tour and I was two weeks into getting ready to be out for another 10 weeks, you know? So, and I already have insane anxiety in vehicles. So it's like adding on. Oh my to God. That, to that. I'm <laughs> That's just like, like the last uh, thing you possibly need. At that point. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Well, when I interviewed Emma, she, she told me about, um, you know, there were times when she would be like, where's Evan right now? And then it turns out you were like lying down in the backseat, like writing this record on your phone, <laughs> which is like <laughs> so crazy. It's the first time you've ever put out a record with no guitars on it. What what was sort of your your inspiration there? Um, I don't know. It was just a thing of Ben and Chelsea, like Ben and Chelsea Wolf, like they were doing a... Uh, song for ashley rose she had a fashion presentation and it was all chelsea themed music ashley suggested that i make this you know make a song as well and collaborate with with them and i made this song and ben was just like 
this was great. We should make a whole record like this. And that was just kind of how it took off. And I, I really was unsure about what I was doing. I never really made completely digital synthetic music without a band. You know, I just kind of would for hours and hours and hours, just go through different sounds and different, try to find different ways to make something that I liked. And, you know, I honestly didn't know what I was doing at all. And I still, I haven't made music like this since finishing that record because it was not very enjoyable, really. You know, it was something to take my (laughs) mind. It was something to take my mind off of touring and being in the van and, you know, and just being cramped and uncomfortable. And, you know, it, it made the tour more enjoyable because it would, you know, make time travel. Like it would, it would just be, you know, like, okay, we have a 12 hour drive and I would just go in the back and put the headphones in and make a song for 12 hours. And then we'd be there. And it, it was like that part of it was exciting. And I've never been able to read in the van because of the motion of the vehicle. And this was for some reason easier, you know, like playing piano on my phone or playing strings on my phone it's it's really funny like every time i would do it i kind of would laugh when i finished a song (laughs) i can't believe i just made this song on my phone you know like how fucking crazy is that (laughs) yeah exactly you know i'm sure this is like this is what a lot of other people not in our music world are probably doing you know just strictly making music on their phones and you know, of course, people are making music on their computers. And and even when it comes down to, like, making, like, people making movies on iPhones and that kind of thing, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was, it was an interesting experience. I mean, I would probably do it again, but I feel like I would have to be in even more of an isolated, stuck-in-one-position environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you make another record like that because I mean, I I'm a total goth kid, and I I think this is probably my favorite thing that you've ever done. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much. Like, um, I mean, you've always had sort of like a daunting aspect to your music throughout all your projects in various different ways, and I feel like this one was like that like to a T just like culminating in this, this really intense record. And, um, I had this thought, you know, it's like, there's so many people that put out guitar music forever or have a certain aesthetic. And then all of a sudden they come out with a goth record. Like they, they like, you you discover that they've kind of been a secret goth this whole time. Like when, uh, <laughs> when Mark Lanigan did Gargoyle or when, um, when like Queens of the Stone Age did like clockwork or um I don't know, I can't really think of more examples yeah. right now, but I felt like this was like your your secret goth moment, like your <laughs> your sexy vampire moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was I was calling this record uh vampire music f- for a while. It's like we always refer to the this record as the phone record or and <laughs> people will be like what have you been doing on tour? I'm like, I'm making vampire music, you know? <laughs> and that was, that was kind of the mindset. And I, you know, I don't know, I guess it's been since, you know, probably young widows record in and out of youth and lightness. Like 
kind of finding my voice was a thing that that record opened me up to, you know, using my voice in the way that it sounds it's like I have a lower voice and I, I never knew how to control it until then. And, you know, you're kind of attracted to, I mean, I am, I'm always attracted to the things that I think I'm capable of doing. Like my, I'm influenced by things that I think I can relate to, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, it's, it's odd. It's like, I don't know why darker music and music that people might think is sad or gothic or, or, or whatever you want to call it. But it's like that music actually brings me the most joy. It always has, you know, it's, it's like throughout my entire life. Yeah. I, I think I feel the same way. I feel like there's like this certain joy that you get. That's almost like, almost feels kind of like, like a, secret naughty joy you get out of like hearing this like sultry dark music that feels like you should be listening to it in the dark in secret (laughs) actually i mean absolutely it's like i remember when i was a kid it's like watching fantasia and it was like night on bald mountain i was obsessed (laughs) with that part and i would just you know watch it and i'd rewind it and watch it again and you know just like this evil darkness is i relate to it and i'm five years old you know it's it's not you know and it's it brings me happiness for some reason you know it's 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 hard to explain to people that don't feel that way you know it's like a lot of friends i actually had this conversation with a couple friends about fantasia in particular i would ask them what's your favorite part of fantasia and i was like i was obsessed with night on bald mountain you know totally well, Evan, you might be a goth. That's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> I might be. So, to move on to talking about Emma, um, you know, it's so funny. Like, I, I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed the partner or spouse of a person that I've already interviewed. <laughs> so. I was thinking if I was thinking if that was this was going to be the first occasion of interviewing the partners. Yeah. yeah. I mean like it's definitely the first one of this podcast, but I was trying to think if I've ever like in my 11 years of doing interviews with bands if I've ever interviewed both partners and I'm I'm sure I have but I I can't think of any so this is like really funny to me um I feel like I'm like tattling on Emma you know <laughs> like we had a, our own conversation and now I'm talking to you um but you know I I love talking to her cuz your your love story is so so like cute and interesting and funny and um and beautiful, and I still so, haven't listened to to her. Interview with you, so. <laughs> I remember you said that you might not want to, and I totally understand because that's like <laughs> weird as hell, and, and maybe she won't want to listen to this either. But um, I guess it was funny. I was trying to think like, how do I even start phrasing questions? Because I don't want all of them to be like, "Well, Emma said this, so what do you say about that?" <laughs> so, yeah. so why don't you just start off by telling me how how did you meet Emma? How did she come into your life? Um, I believe it was 2008. 
and or 2007. But Young Widows was on tour with Russian Circles, and I remember we played. It was Denton, Texas, and Red Sparrows joined up, and Emma was there, and it was kind of, that was my first meeting of Emma, and. That night, we kind of talked a little bit. And the next night, I remember, kind of started to talk a little bit more. And I believe we were in, we were in Texas for most of it. Actually, like, the yeah, all of that was when we were in Texas. But I remember gambling, like getting her to gamble because I had <laughs> dice. And, and I, was, I was really, like, hot and heavy into playing threes. So I was getting everyone to gamble with me and... You know, and then the next night, you know, there's such funny stories. Like the next night, I remember having a fuck ton of drink tickets, and I was like, I've got like 30 drink tickets. (laughs) You know, let's get drunk. We're both done playing and hang out. And, and, uh, yeah, I just really connected with her on those shows. And I remember Albuquerque, we played Albuquerque, and, after the Red Sparrow set, I just remember Emma coming up and being like, so what is your story? <laughs> and uh, and I was just like, well, I mean, where do you want me to start? There's a lot, you know, how far you want me to go back? And, yeah, that's a huge question to ask somebody. You know, and then we're just kind of talking, getting to know each other. And then the Young Widow's van breaks down on the way to our San Diego show. So we missed that San Diego show and... I think we both were just like, oh, no, this was the last show with Red Sparrows and Young Widows and Russian Circles and Young Widows would continue on the tour. And we missed that show and played L.A. the next day. And, you know, I got to hang out with Emma again. And it was a whole it was a really fucked up night where, you know, I was like aggressively drinking, which was never a bad idea or never a good idea. (laughs) Brain flip. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was just like, I'm just going to drink a pint of bourbon because I don't want to deal with trying to find a van. So I'm hanging out with her and I'm extremely drunk and talking. And I think at one point we decided to, this is, this is such a funny story, it's maybe a little personal, but like we decided to go smoke a joint in this U-Haul truck that I'd rented because I was like, I just want to get fucked up and. I don't really smoke that much weed and neither does she. And we're both in there smoking this joint. And I think we both get high and we're like, why are we doing this? (laughs) And we get out of the the U-Haul and go our separate ways. And that was the last time I saw Emma until she got in the JGL van while we were on tour with Oathbreaker three years ago. So that was like a long time between those I saw, two. I saw her one other time actually in LA, but there was always a thing. I mean, I remember when we parted ways on that tour when I first met her, I remember saying to my bandmates, like, it's probably a good thing that Emma and I aren't on tour anymore together <laughs> because, <laughs> because we, you know, we both had partners and like there was clearly a, a really strong connection between the two of us. And, you know, when she got in the van to sell merch for JJL before at the end of the Oathbreaker tour and 
before we went did our first European tour where I joined her band, it was, you know, it was kind of a thing to me. I was just like, I'm pretty sure I'm absolutely in love with this person. I'm pretty sure she's in love with me. You know, I'd like made all these ideas about it, but I hadn't spoken <laughs> of it now and I just didn't want to bring it up. And so then we did a tour together and kind of the, the rest of it's history, you know, did a tour together. And I think by the end of the year, asked her to marry me. And yeah, that's, that's the short version. <laughs> so what, was really interesting to me to learn was that so when I first heard your split record a long time ago I thought that those songs were about each other because it was very shortly after that came out that I knew that you guys were dating so I just assumed oh this must be you know a record about their love and Emma told me that that they were just b-sides that just it just was a total coincidence that you guys ended up falling in love after that. Yeah. I mean, that that was such an interesting record because she had this concept to make the record with that photo that she had taken. And I made one to compliment her photo to have this concept. And, you know, we were joking around about like the digital version looked like a RSVP for a, a wedding, you know, it looked like a wedding invitation or something. And, I remember joking around with it then. I was like, we should make fake wedding invites. And she's like, that'd be hilarious. We should do that. <laughs> you know, but at the time it's, it's, you know, I wasn't thinking, you know, neither of us were thinking that we would end up being together at that point in any way. And I mean, I remember when the split LP happened, you know, I was talking to Kathy from Sergeant house and she said, you should do a split record with Emma. And I said, why would Emma want to do a split record with me? Like she'll want, she, she's down, she'll do it. And then I talked to her and I'm like, why do you want to do this again? And she's like, because I like your music. And I'm like, okay. That seems like a great. solid reason. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And the record looks like a very romantic <laughs> record. It's yeah. It's it's very clear to me though, like even looking back on it, you're like, okay, clearly we have this connection, trusting each other and loving each other, even at that point. And you have lyrics like, um, you know, about time you came to me and stuff like that, which is just so prophetic. Like, you know, here's yeah, here's this time, like again, the time between you that is uh <laughs> You know, between 2008 and then whenever that was a few years ago, um, that's already, it could be about that. And then, you know, about time you came back into my life. I don't know. It's just yeah. so interesting. I, I love that art can be so prophetic like that. It, it's true. It's, I mean, I, I even thought with the title, because we were going through titles, different titles for the split, because it's, you know, it's kind of fun to like bounce ideas off each other and her idea was like, let's call it the time between us. And I'm like, that's just, I was like, that's so romantic, you know, mm -hmm. like just, I'm like, clearly like it, it's insinuates the, the time between like Emma and I meeting each other in this time now, you know, mm -hmm. and then it was, it was such a romantic thing to even suggest and say it was, 
impossible not to just have a crush on her right away again. <laughs> yeah, that's very know. bold. <laughs> yeah. So where okay, so the song The River Spree, was that from I'm just trying to get an idea of the timeline here. Was that so um That was that was the first tour that we did with Emma. That that was bef- that was kind of right when Emma and I were figuring out how if or and how we wanted to be together. And we played Berlin and I was you know, we were we were all drinking like very, very heavily at that point in time. And Slim from True Widow was at the Berlin show and I've been friends with him for a long time before I even heard of True Widow. He's he was sitting at a bar in Dallas and he's like, Hey man, I'm in a band with the last night with the last word as widow as well. I just came to see you all play. <laughs> you know, so I've kind of been buddies with him since then. You know, it's, it's probably been twelve years. So he was there, and you know, everybody's kind of getting fucked up. And somebody walks over and asks if I, if we want acid, and I'm like, sure, I'll do some acid. That sounds fun. But what I wasn't really thinking about is that I didn't have my glasses. And oh no. <laughs> And everyone left, and I, I, you know, and then my phone died, and I didn't know where the hotel was. So all of a sudden, I'm just like, okay, now, now I'm tripping, and I'm very drunk, and all I know is that Emma said, "Just go over the bridge, and the hotel's at the end of the street, to the right." And it was just one of those things of. It's like, I don't even like, you know, in my mind at the time, I was like, I don't know what that means. I, I didn't even know there was really, <laughs> I didn't even know we were next to a bridge at that point in time. You know, it was like my, you know, my, at this, you know, this day and age when you're looking, you're not really paying attention to where you are because you always have a map on you. Right. You know, so then all of a sudden, dude, I'm just like, okay, I'm stranded enough to figure out how to get there. So it's such an odd story of wandering in, wandering around over the river spree to get to this hotel that I accidentally landed in. You know, I, I literally thought I was just going into a bar and I charged my phone. <laughs> and and once my phone, you know, I was just talking with the guy. And once my phone became charged, I said, you know, I opened up and I was like, where is this hotel? And the bartender says, "You were in this hotel." Oh my god! <laughs> you know, and you know it was it was very odd at that point. But there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of things happening like that in my life at that point in time. And so, I mean, at that point, you asked for a key to Emma's hotel. Yeah, and then he just gave it to you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the other strange part is. I showed him a photo because Emma sent me a photo of the key to the hotel room and I just showed it to the bartender and I said, can you give me this, the key to this room? And he's just like, yeah, sure. You know, and at the time, you know, I'm six foot four and I'm wearing like an all black suit and <laughs> a giant cowboy hat. And he's just like, yeah, no problem. Here's the key. 
you know, and I, I wasn't thinking at the time that, you know, it's like, how, that guy doesn't know who I am. Or, I mean, he's a very trustworthy, you know, trust me a little bit too much. And I remember going into the hotel room and Emma's just like, what in the fuck are you doing in here? How did you get in here? <laughs> I was like, I was like, he just gave me a key. She's like, without contacting me or anything. Yeah, that's yeah. super fucked up. Like, what if you yeah. had been somebody going in there to hurt her? <laughs> I know. Yeah. But it all worked out. So why, I mean, at this point, you guys weren't together yet. So you, she said that you had some like existential shit that you needed to say. <laughs> did you, did you like go in there with a purpose or were you, were you just tripping and you're like, I should go see Emma right now? Uh, I think I just went in there and you know, like, yeah, it's just kind of ranted about like my journey maybe and what all that was going on in our lives. And, you know, you know how people ramble on when they're drunk and on drugs. It's like, totally. you know, it's like some of it might be prolific, but I would say like, 75% is just like nonsensical. <laughs> but you know, it, it was it was interesting. I feel like yeah, like I said, I feel like there was a lot of things kind of happening like that. And our energy, once we kind of came together, like our energy was just like, you know, I feel like I feel like you could hold like a balloon from across the street and it would like come to us. You know, it's wow. There, it was it was really powerful at that time. Clearly, because, you know, after that, she hurt her ankle and had to cancel the rest of that tour. And she had, you know, I think two or three weeks left. And she flew to Louisville and moved in with me, more or less, at that point in time. So, how did you... What was the conversation where you were like, okay, we have all this energy we're clearly in love let's be together um there was okay there was a night where after a show someone there was a lot of drinking going on so after a show there was a a fan that wanted to buy us around and we were in I think we're in the Netherlands and we want to buy us all around with tequila. And so we all kind of went to go drink. And then Emma pulled me aside and said, Hey, will you come on a walk with me? And she was kind of telling me, Hey, I have feelings for you. And I don't know if we should ever like sleep in the same room together. And at that point I just was like, I'm pretty sure I'm in love with you. I kind of can't <laughs> stop thinking about you. It's It's been like this for three weeks. You know, I was, I was having dreams about you and, um, you know, I'm in love with you. And she's like, kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> and And it's a bit confusing because, you know, I had a, I was currently with someone. So that's, that's like the, the, the tough part of all this, like the start of it was just like, I was with someone and I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't happy. It wasn't someone, you know, it was someone that I loved and cared about, but it wasn't someone that I'd 
wanted to get married to and, and wanted, I didn't envision a long lasting relationship with the person, mm-hmm. which is like sad and hard to say and put even when you care about someone. But, you know, I just kind of knew right away. I was like, well, you know, this is my connection with this person and my communication and, you know, our interest in art and music. It, it's, you know, it's perfect. It's something that, I mean, I couldn't have even imagined having that connection with anyone in my entire life. And there it was, you know, there it was like the person that I felt this way about 10 years prior is back in my life and I still feel that same way. So we just kind of talked about it and talked about it was a bad idea or a good idea. And I was like, it's just, it's just kind of something I think we have to do, you know? Yeah. Can't pass that up. Yeah. And she didn't completely disagree. And, you know, I was like, we'll just figure it out. And, you know, the most difficult part about it all was, how quickly she moved to Louisville because it was, you know, it was like I came back home and she hurt her ankle and, but it was, you know, we were infatuated with each other. So it just made sense. Right. You know? It's just how that's, that's how love works. And you'd already been around each other for so long at that yeah. point that I, I can imagine that suddenly not being together would just be insane at that point. Yeah. We were around each other every day for, you know, probably four weeks, five weeks. And, you know, then all of a sudden we weren't, and, I'll, and you know, and we had kind of opened the, the, the doors to being in a relationship and, you know, you can't, you can't stop that. There's no way, there's no way to like make the right decisions or the wrong decisions. You just make decisions. You just go with your instinct and hope it works out. Right. And then if it's, if it doesn't, then you're miserable. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Do you believe in the concept of soulmates? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I do, but I do feel that kind of connection with Emma, you know, it's, you know, and as we're in a relationship now for, for three years and I still feel there's times where like our connection and our communication and it's, it's tough because I'm like, I'm not like a spiritual person really. It's like, I believe in a spiritual connection that is, you know, I, I, I guess I, let's just say I do believe in soulmates. <laughs> that sounds easier. <laughs> just your, your particular definition of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, what you just described course. to me, um, I think that's the most pure form of that that I've ever heard of somebody yeah. describing their connection with another person. So it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so wild to me even still to think about the fact that, you know, I had this connection with her 10 years ago and, and would think about her and always had fond memories. And then the fact that we would come back into each other's lives, you know, it, it was, it's odd. Like the fact that like, I mean, uh, 
as strange as it sounds, it's like I I live in Kentucky and it's it's not that I see that many people and you know it's a strange place in the world to be and even having the opportunity to tour and play music living here is something that I feel like I'm very fortunate to have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So then to to like, you know, re reconvene with my my dream person was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> That's so adorable. I can't stand it. <laughs> so how did you propose to her? Um Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty nerdy but it was uh it was a funny day like we went to mammoth cave in kentucky like you know some of the biggest cave systems in the country and we went there and there was like screaming kids as we were doing these cave tours and it was like you know moderately disappointing And then afterwards, we were driving through E-Town where I was raised. And I was like, hey, let's go to this Cracker Barrel. We always go there. And when I was a kid, that was like a thing. Like, you know, I was, I was raised in a Methodist church. And after Sunday school service, we'd always go to this one Cracker Barrel. So I was like, we're driving by. Let's go there. It's a good memory. And then we came home. And I don't know what we were doing, just kind of hanging about where we were living and I was smoking a cigarette and trying to figure out how I wanted to ask her to marry me before we started on this really long tour. And I just created this idea of like, I'm going to go out there and tell her that I see like an animal flailing around and we should go, it might be injured and we should go check it out. <laughs> so, so I made the story that there was an animal across the street at this corner and just told her like hey this this time in our lives and us meeting here is like this is kind of our crossroads and this place we're living in right now like i think it'll be nice to have this memory to all you know it'll be nice to have this memory to to look back on and say this is where i ask you to marry me so you know i got down on one knee and had some custom rings made and did all that and Oh. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was it was yeah, it was great. Did she have any idea that that's what you were doing or was she just like, "Where's the animal? What the hell are you talking about?" She yeah, she was like, "Where is the animal? What are you doing?" <laughs> she's like cuz even that when I got down on a knee and asked her, she she was like thought I was looking for the animal. <laughs> so it it was great and she's like, "Oh, she said yes, of course. So, <laughs> Did she cry? I don't think we cried. I think we just like were su- super happy. You know, it was just like such a joyful moment that was, you know, I think at that point in our relationship, you know, just everything just still felt like complete and total ecstasy, you know. Wow. That's so cool. So, yeah, it was it was beautiful. It was fun. And our wedding was super fun. And I got married under this ginkgo tree in Cave Hill Cemetery. My grandparents are buried there on my mother's side. And it's one of the it's one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the country. 
it's a place where we would go walk before that and there's a you know it was everything about it was was perfect and had a reception in the studio where our friend Kevin Ratterman has a studio. It's where On Dark Horses was recorded and Young Widows recorded Easy Pain there. And some of the JJL House Crick songs were recorded there. So it's like a really special place for you. Yeah. It was like, this is like, this is everything about it was perfect. It's like you're getting married in your favorite cemetery and we're having the reception at this magical studio that, you know, has brought us all so much creativity and outlets and it's it was really fantastic well we talked earlier about how you might be a goth and now you're telling me that you got married in a cemetery so i think it <laughs> confirms it <laughs> i also go on a walk in a cemetery every morning so well there you go yeah yeah <laughs> i think i would too I, if i had a cemetery nearby at my disposal <laughs> i guess i'm a goth <laughs> i'm also wearing all black at this moment so Good, as you, you should. Got me pegged. <laughs> so, um, one thing that Emma talked about was that, you know, she feels really impressed and confounded. I, I think she might have used the word jealous about how you just create all day long. Like you get up early and you create, you write music, you draw. Um, I know. And, I find it so funny that she, <laughs> that she gets jealous. I, I mean, you know, she used the word jealous lightly. I don't think it was like an actual, like, <laughs> there was no animosity in this jealousy. It was just like a, that motherfucker creates all day. Um, is there anything like that that you, that makes you feel that way about Emma? Like, is there something about her personality or her mannerisms that you're like, how does she do oh, that? I mean, absolutely. I mean, from i mean how intimate and passionate her songs are i mean it's like i had seen her perform until roadburn 2016 whenever you know she played solo and i'd never seen her play solo i just saw her in red sparrows and i mean seeing that show i mean i was in tears watching her play just like you know i i just had no idea and it's hard to get that from a record. Totally. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, she doesn't feel like a prolific artist, but she is, she's doing the same thing. It's like, she's working on like a thou record and then she's like writing her own songs and she's working on an electronic project. You know, when she first moved to Louisville, she did all those incredible paintings that she has sold four of them recently. And, you know, she did that Valentine's Day series where she oh, that's right. Made made you know it was like two hundred hearts, and I mean that you know one of those things that like she's so inspiring. It's like being around her when when she's like creative, like it makes me want to create more. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I feel jealous about anything. It's it's like. Maybe her voice. I don't, I don't understand like how she opens her mouth and sings through a whole scale in you know half of a second. You know, it's, there's <laughs> there's certain things that I'm like, oh, I wish I had any idea how to control my voice in that way. You know, and it's it's just really 
it's just so, such an incredible feeling to have such influence and such a creative partner that is always trying to create more you know it's it's never she's not happy truly happy unless she's being creative and i'm the same way it's like i, I can't i can't just have months and months and months where i'm not making art or or planning my next you know creative outlet or you know it's it's just uh, you know there's there's no way to really describe it it's just it just feels so right and you know the stresses of of like music career things are like a different side of it that we're still figuring out because you know i'm i'm mostly just someone who wants to create and i have no idea how to direct my career or make money like i'm not good at those things it's <laughs> that's it's, why it's, you guys have kathy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just more about you know it's about just like making things and, and using my brain and exercising my brain and, and my mind and it makes it makes the, you know it makes the days more pleasant and you know so some of our most beautiful days i think as a couple is when she's creating in the other room and I'm creating in the other room and then, you know, we take breaks and we hang out with each other and we're both just like constantly thinking and, you know, talking about what we're working on and, you know, happy for each other. And then we go our separate ways again and keep creating. And it's, it's really like, it's more inspiring to me than if we were making the same thing together because we can celebrate what each other are doing separately. That's so cool. And you can also empathize with like writer's block or the creative struggles that go with it. Oh, absolutely. Touring, touring too much is not good for writing music. It's except for when I guess you can do it on your phone. Right. <laughs> you you seem to have figured out. Uh... I, I have figured that out. Yeah. Well, you know, um, when I when I spoke with Emma, it was like right after she had come back from tour. And of course, that tour was so crazy because the whole coronavirus thing hit like while she was out <laughs> and um, yeah. she had to get home. And I think I think she wasn't she in like Mexico at the time. So she had to like cross the border, too. And um, yeah, it was it was stressful. It was like. You know, I mean, no one knew what to think about it at that point in time. Right. And and none of us knew how long this thing was going to last or how long we were going to be away from live music. And so a lot of what we talked about was like tour dynamics and how you guys have figured out how to communicate when you're on tour together and spending too much time together in stressful situations or how you communicate when one person is in a totally different time zone across the world and the other one's home. But now I'm curious about, since it's been like three months, um, or I guess like two months since I talked to Emma, um, what's it been like staying in one place together for like the first time in your entire relationship? Um, it's been, 
Actually, I think it's something. I'm not, I don't think. I mean, I, it's something that we really needed. You know, I think there's a lot of like transparency that has happened between us since this the lockdown because we're around each other and we're just like, okay, we have to we have to communicate. Like, we have to be crystal clear about everything because if we aren't. There's just no way that we'll understand each other. And, you know, our connection since it's, it's difficult being on tour. It's like, it's stressful and it's, it's not really, I mean, that first tour we did was kind of romantic, but it is not romantic touring together. It's, it's stress and it's hard work. And, you know, it's, we kind of have figured out that, maybe touring together isn't the smartest thing for us as a couple. And since being home together during the pandemic, it's, it's been a much needed place for us to like get to know each other and get to be closer and, you know, kind of face, you know, face each other and, and think about even our future more and what we want to do, because it's so hard to even think about the future when you're, have a tour that's nine months away. It's going to be three months. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, last year I was only home in Louisville for, I think it was less than three months out of the year. So it's difficult to make any kind of plans as a couple besides work and totally. tours and, and this kind of thing. So, now we're home and we've like landscaped our front yard. Wow. And, you know, like pulling a fence down and we're doing things to like, you know, better our home. And also it's like a connection through that because this is, you know, this is our place together and this is, you know, kind of our sanctuary. So it's, it's been, it's been beautiful. It's been really great. That is so cool. I feel like, you know, you hear so often about couples being like, oh my gosh, quarantine's terrible. Ah, like I, I'm, if I have to see his face one more time today, I'm going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are saying it's like one of the best things that's happened to you guys in a while. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I really, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's been tough because, you know, any plans I've had, you know, I was, I was working on, getting some tours together and plans for the record to come out. And, you know, she had lots of the tours canceled and getting Roadbird canceled was heartbreaking. And so it's hard to think about and just say, she doesn't have work for the entire year. You know, I don't have work for the entire year. And I also, I run a small screen printing shop from my garage when I'm home between tours. I've done that for 20 years of screen printed. So it's like something that works out very well for me and keeps me busy. Mm -hmm. But since the pandemic, it's just completely stopped. You know, nothing, no one's ordering, you know, shirts for their businesses. And I was mostly printing for bands and that kind of thing. So, Like to prep them for their tours that are no longer happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's one of those it's one of those things of like yeah, there there have been things that have been difficult and since since the protesting it it got a little more difficult and stressful and but 
I mean, all in all, I, I, I believe this time has been like some of my favorite times as a couple and, and, you know, probably the past year, two years, you know, it's been great to be together and we have a dog now. So that's a huge life upgrade. Her name's Sandy, right? Sa- Sandy the dog. Oh yes. my gosh. I love it when you guys post pictures of her. She's so cute. Yeah, she's incredibly sweet. There was a picture that Emma posted the other day where she was in bed and Sandy had her head on her neck. <laughs> it was oh, yeah. so cute. That's what she does. I mean, she kind of lives to to cuddle and be close to. She's she gets a little stressed out. She can't be near us, oh. which is which is great, which is fine because she's only twelve pounds. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> of course she can be near us. And when you guys do eventually get back out on the road, who will take care of her? Well, I mean, hopefully we'll plan it to where we're, you know, touring at different times, and she's so easy to take care of that. Many people have offered to watch her while we're gone. <laughs> They're like, so, please let me take care of your adorable dog. Exactly. Actually, we did a JJL did a session with Earthquaker Devices and actually brought her with me. Oh. I'd only had it. I'd only had it for three weeks, and I was like, oh shoot, I have to go do this session. And so I took her to Akron, Ohio, with me, and it was kind of awesome. It was everyone was really into it by the end of the night they're like this is so cool that we have a dog with us we we should do this more often and i'm like yeah, i don't know when this would work out this well but <laughs> it, it was great it was nice yeah dogs really like uh lower everybody's blood pressure in stressful situations uh, yeah now, i had a dog for 17 years so so getting her you know, it's been four years since I had that dog, and it was I kind of was missing that part of my brain that needs to take care of something. Yeah. You know? It's like Sandy depends on me to live, you know, and I kind of needed that again. It feels great. Yeah, having a pet kind of like regulates your life. Like you have to get out of bed, you have to feed them, you have to take them on walks. Exactly. <laughs> it's like if I was left to my own devices, I would just like, I mean, I don't know, just like probably be a, a I was more of a mess mentally before getting her. And now that I have her, it's like much more calm and controlled. It's it's wild, the difference. That's so cool. I love the effect that dogs can have on your entire being. Absolutely. Everyone should have a pet. Yeah. People people don't have pets or when, not when they don't have pets, but when they're like adamantly opposed to pets, I like, kind of don't trust them. <laughs> they're just too selfish <laughs> or just like what's wrong with you like did you do you do they not give you joy <laughs> like, exactly yeah i could see That's like you saying. know not being in a place where you can have one or something like that but yeah <laughs> yeah so um just one more question for you and that is um what what would be your main advice that you would give somebody about how to have a wonderful long relationship like you and Emma have? Um, communicate. I mean, you have to communicate. It's like the, the, the most difficult times in any relationship is when you aren't communicating. 
don't hide anything. Just be trusting and that's all you can be. That's like, that's the best partner anyone could have is like someone who's honest and, and is communicating about what they're feeling or what they want or, or, you know, and listening, you know, it's, it's just, it's, that's like the perfect partner. And that's like, I think what we're, you know, striving to be. And, and as, as you do that, you just become closer and more caring and more loving and, and more appreciative for each other. And it's, it's kind of the only way to make anything last. If you don't want it to last, then you should lie and cheat and end your relationship and get out of it. <laughs> but Create if you want out. it to last, yeah, if you want it to last, just be trusting and be transparent. It's, it's the healthiest way to live. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that with me. It was adorable. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Scott. You know, it's it's so cool because you guys are both such incredible artists on your own, and the stuff that you create together is beautiful and amazing. And you know, to know that, that comes from such a beautiful love story is really amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It means a lot. This episode of Hot-Blooded was hosted, written, and produced by me, Kat Jones. It was edited and co-produced by Evan Dulaney, and the theme song was written by Jordan Olds. The logo was made by Corey Largent, who goes by Insane Clam Pasta on Instagram, and additional graphics were made by Jonathan Amaya. Special thanks to Kathy Pello, Stephanie Marlowe, and Emma Ruth Rundle. Thank you so much to everyone who subscribed on Patreon, but especially those who subscribed to the Lover tier, Janet Talenko-Davis, Mark Bassett, Rob Menzer, Ryan Cardi, Ronnie Rodriguez, Benny Bobo, and Van Drug Salad. If you love this podcast and want me to keep making them, I would love it if you subscribed on Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash hotbloodedpodcast. And there you can find bonus audio that gets edited out of the show. Plus I make podcasts for subscribers and lots of other fun things. And it's just a wonderful community. If you ever want to shoot us a tip but don't want to subscribe, you can also cash app us at Hot-Blooded Podcast. To learn more about the show, head to hotbloodedpodcast.com. And if you have any comments, concerns, or love letters, you can send them to me at hotbloodedpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon. But in the meantime, wear a mask and wash your hands. Bye.